Melnick in the afternoon. Listen live weekdays from 3 to 7 on TSN 690. De la patrie, le jour de gloire est arrivé. Contre nous de la tyrannie, les talons sanglants élevés, les talons sanglants élevés. Attendez-vous dans les Premières impressions de Serena après ce beau combat. Serena, bravo, c'est ton troisième titre ici à Paris. Tu as mené un set de break et le match est devenu beaucoup plus compliqué. Oui, le match est beaucoup compliqué. Mon, mon, Lucie, elle joue très bien. Et, euh, elle est magnifique euh, opponée pour moi. Elle joue après, elle joue très très bien, elle est très agressif. Et, euh, elle n'est pas pure. Après, je, je, j'en sais tellement vrai que euh, moi, j'ai un peu de nerveuse, mais, mais ça va. Je, c'est un rêve pour moi si je gagnais. Je crois qu'on peut l'applaudir. Troisième titre à Paris. Welcome back, Melnick in the afternoon on TSN 690. You can sit down now. Along with uh, Rod Francis and Mitch Gallo, David Trent Dewey helping us out. Mike Farber at 6.05 every Monday. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show. He was there on site at Roland Garros for most of uh, the French Open. It's always a treat to talk to from Tennis Canada. Tom Tebbit, how are you? Mitch, I'm okay. If I'm not mistaken, isn't that the Boom Boom Jeffrey version of La Marseillaise? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that's okay, a, maybe that's I got a, it wrong. Yeah, that's that would be Roger Doucette. <laughs> you remember Roger Doucette? Yes, he was. I, uh, I just a quick story. In 1979, uh, there was a tournament out at the Marseille Arena, and he came out and sang the Marseille. Uh, the Marseille. He came out and sang O Canada. And the Friday night, I took Bjorn to the hockey game at the Forum, Bjorn Borg. And just as we were going in the entrance, lo and behold, there was Roger Doucette. And of course, they even gave Bjorn recognized the fact that, and of course, Roger Doucette was fawning all over Bjorn because you know he was a god in those days. So, yeah, no, he came out and sang the, the national anthem every night at uh, this tournament. The eight, it was an eight-man exhibition tournament at Morris Richard Arena. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean you took Bjorn Borg out there? What, what, what was? No, no, but Bjorn Lotaki. It's it's one of my favorite stories. And so on the Friday, they played on a Friday night. Canadians did actually believe it or not. And he played his match at six, finished at seven. So the easiest, easiest way to get there was to take the metro. So we got on at what is it, Vio or? Uh, whatever it is, and uh, we went all the way, and it was you know it was a Friday night going towards downtown, so the, the car wasn't too crowded, and nobody noticed, and nobody bugged them, and we just went there, and then when we got to Atwater, we got off the the metro and, and went to the game, and uh, well, my two quick stories about that are, one, um, it, just, it was really funny because we were walking sort of past the end seats, and we were going around to sit sort of at set of rice fairly low down, and as we're passing past, past the end seats, some guy in the crowd yells out, tennis. 
Shame that was just like pre Matt Naslund, huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Because that would have been that would have been something. So, and and back in the, I don't think the forum had a scoreboard where they put uh, celebrities like they do today all over the place, right on the on the screen. No, I, I don't think they did. But I mean, everybody figured it out, and he got he got pretty well mobbed at the end yeah. of the, like I said, at the end of the first period. And then the, the crazy thing that happened at the end of the second period, we went to lounge, and it turned out there's a guy I played tennis with sometimes there, and he started talking talking to Bjorn, telling Bjorn about my tennis game. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You're talking to Bjorn Borg about Tom Tebbett's crappy tennis game? <laughs> and I'm sure he was polite about it, huh? Oh, yeah, he was polite. Yeah, no, he, Bjorn was a good guy. The only thing that was funny that week is that Connors is a bit more of a jerk, but Connors has got a lot more personality. Bjorn was sort of you know, a quieter guy. But he's, I've seen him a couple of times since, and he always seems to remember me a little bit. So, um, yeah, yeah he, he was a, a straight shooter, good kind of guy. And, yeah. uh, but just Connors just had a little more mischievousness about him. He was yeah. sort of more fun to be around, like, because I was in the locker room a little bit for, during that tournament. Well, Borg and McEnroe is, you know, an all-time rival. Is there anything that that equals that, that comes close to that? The Borg-McEnroe rival? Well, I, I, well I, you know, I guess uh, Nadal and Federer a little bit. It's just unfortunate that it's so unbalanced, because a lot of, partly because of all the matches on clay. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's, it, there's just something about those two, which is the, the juxtaposition that McEnroe was such a hothead and Borg was so uh, stoic all the time. It was, uh, And that their styles of play, one guy stayed at the back, one guy was at the net. You couldn't have asked for sort of a better contrast. Before we get to her game, how about her French, Serena Williams? A lot of people wondering how how is she, how has she become that fluent in French? Well, there's a pretty easy answer. <laughs> I know the answer, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I think it was two years ago that she lost uh, had a bad loss at the French Open and um, in the first round, and then this guy Patrick Martugu who has a tennis academy in uh, Paris asked her if she wanted to come and train there, and she did go and train there, and they became uh, how do we say this romantically involved. So and he's been coaching her ever since. Although he was married and had a couple of kids, and that was the source of a big uh, brouhaha at Wimbledon, I think two years ago as well. Or maybe we, and Sharapova was uh, had something because Sharapova maybe was going out with Dimitrov then, but Serena may have had a fling with him. And anyway, they they had a, a great thing. We were sitting in a press conference before Wimbledon started, and Sharapova said something about. Uh, I guess Serena had said that Sharapova had a black heart, or something. And anyway, it was a, it was a great little you know, yeah, like a black soul. Thought. Like a black soul is yeah. Right. So it was anyway. It's good stuff. But anyway, so I mean, I mean, this guy has definitely helped her tennis, and uh, she's you know the fought the Richard Williams has been around. But I mean, it's always I find it just a, an uncomfortable situation when you know you're coaching and then you're also uh, romantically involved with your player. There's just something a little bit messy about it. And oh. he's he's got an academy and he's got a bit of an ego. So I mean, this has been great for him that you know he's coaching the the best women's player at the moment and maybe of all time. So it's good for him. But it's it's just. It's a little, like I said, it's a little gooey. It's a little messy, but uh, it's it's worked for her. And 
But she's just an amazing player. It's ridiculous when. Uh, when well, she how plays. good? Historically, how good is she? Is she at well, the I top? Think she's about, I think she's the best ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big Serena fan. I don't, don't like her that much uh, personally. But I mean, I just, she's just an unbelievable player. And, and, and it was obvious at the French Open. She was like, you know, um, you know, on the ropes five times, five, uh, five three setters. And then all of a sudden she turns the switch when she has to, and like it's game over. The other player isn't even on the court anymore. She just whacks winners everywhere. It's an amazing uh, ability to, to have that. But I mean, she com- it comes out of usually being sort of all, all out of sorts, not knowing what's going on, raging at herself, and then boom, she dials in and forget it. So it's a crazy thing to watch. Uh, but I've never seen a player like that, and, and she's just a fantastic tennis player. So do you, who do you like other than Bjorn Borg? I, I mean, all the top four guys are great. Uh, Sharapova, I, I used to have reservations about, but I think she's uh, she was terrific actually in Paris when she lost. She had some sort of a flu cold kind of thing, and she made no excuses at all. I mean, she was very, very good about that. I just think she's 100% professional. Uh, I really respect her, and she's an intelligent woman. Not that Serena's not an intelligent woman, but she's also. Um, um, I, I just think she carries herself well, but obviously I don't like the uh, the grunting and the shrieking and stuff like that, but um, that's one thing you kind of have to accept these days. With Tom Tevitt of uh, Tennis Canada, Melnick in the afternoon, TSN 690. Michael Farber will join us at 6.05. Pavrenka serves out to the back end of Djokovic cross-court, down the line, and appropriately, Stan Pavrenka does it with a backhand winner down the line. The world number eight wins his second Grand Slam title. He defeats the world number one, Novak Djokovic, as they embrace at the net. Not easy at the beginning because uh, he was putting a lot of toss in. He was uh, he was also fresh. He was uh, he was the aggressive player. He was always on the court, so it wasn't easy for me to find my game and to feel great on the on the court. But uh, then I start to play more heavy, heavy. I start to have a longer rally, and that's always good for me. Congratulations to Stan. He com- completely deserves to be a winner today. He played uh, much better uh, tennis, more aggressive. He was more courageous. Uh, I tried my best. Um, it wasn't the day, unfortunately, and I have to keep on going. Well, if you were watching NBC, and if you were watching the match, you were probably watching NBC. Uh, some people might have decided to to leave it after NBC proclaimed that Djokovic wasn't going to lose. Well, are you referring to a tweet by Tom Tebbit? Yes, I am. Yeah, no, I was furious at Macaron. I mean, it was like three games into the second set, and Djokovic has just won uh, the first set, and they're talking about, you know, well, after he wins here and if he wins at Wimbledon, just think they'd be going to the U.S. Open, going for the Grand Slam, and Serena does the same thing. I mean, I just guess I've been around too long. I mean, it's way too soon to, you know, to call the election. It was ridiculous. And uh, and the other thing that I was kind of furious about, and uh, I, I'm kind of unhappy, actually, that Djokovic lost. I just think he's, he's virtually has won every, he has won every important tournament since last October. This is the one he really wanted to win, third time in the final. And I think, actually, what happened was that he was very tired after having to come back and play on Saturday against Murray. That was a very high-quality match. Took a lot out of him. You know, he had to act like it was a regular match, the same preparation, same stuff afterwards. And I just think he... And, and you could tell in some of his remarks afterwards. And as well as Valbrinka played, I don't think he would have played that well if, um, you know, if Djokovic had been properly rested. But and the other thing that Macaron bugged me was at one point he kept talking about, well, Valrinka is so tired because he played in that heat on Friday. Well, he had the day off on Saturday for Pete's sake, and Djokovic, and, uh, Djokovic played on Saturday. And finally, but a few, uh, maybe a set later or something, Macaron said, well, you know, maybe I was wrong in saying that maybe Djokovic isn't, isn't too tired. I, mean, I was thinking, how could you not think he'd be tired after he had to play on Saturday and ended up having to play three days in a row? And on Saturday, like I said, it was an unbelievably high quality, quality match, just the, the parts that they played. Played. Uh, some of the rallies were just uh, mind-boggling how hard they were hitting it. It was it, actually somebody just said to me that it was like a video game. It was amazing. 
Yeah, try to, to make him move, try to, to go against him. Uh, you know, I don't want him to stay too close from the line, so I need to play really, really hard sometimes straight on him to make him feel uncomfortable with the game. And uh, at the end, it's a small difference. It's when I'm inside the court and when he's behind, that's make a big difference on, on the game. There's Stan, the man, and part of an incredible sports weekend with Tom Tebbett at uh, Tennis Canada. So, Tom, uh, Eugenie Bouchard, what, what, uh, she's dropped out of the top ten now. She made it as high as, what, five yep. uh, most recently. For, for those who aren't paying attention, there's a few people listening who aren't paying attention other, to the result, other than the results, What's worse, the fact that she's losing or the way that she's losing? Well, the way that she's losing. Uh, I mean, she's lost her confidence. It's very obvious. You know, I've been asked a million times about this. Anybody who's supposed to know anything about tennis has been asked a million times about this. And, you know, what do we know compared to the, the coaches who are around her, the, the manager people who are around her and all that stuff. But I guess what I finally come to think is uh, we did an interview for a radio show here in Toronto with Pam Shriver about a month ago. And it, I thought it was very interesting what she said. In 1978, she beat Martina Navratilova as a 16-year-old in the semifinals of the U.S. Open and lost to Chris Everett. So she was runner-up at the U.S. Open. And she said the next year she hardly won any matches. It was just so hard to have a target on her back, and everybody knew who she was. Well, it's exactly the same situation as Bouchard. You know, final of Wimbledon, this is the year after. And uh, I'm sort of starting to think that maybe it's just the... Uh, it's sort of the nature of the beast that uh, it's really hard to come back from such an amazing breakthrough when you're you know when you're fairly young, and that that's you know there's lots of other things she's had some injuries she's changed coaches changed management firms, um, she has been looking a little bit thinner maybe not as fit and all these sort of things so who knows but I think it's a lot of it is that that all of a sudden you're not the hunter you're not the the freewheeling hunter fearless and all that sort of stuff all of a sudden you're the hunted and I think it's been tougher to adjust to this year. Can she readjust? Are you confident that she can readjust? You know, the step back and then take two steps forward? Yeah, well, I think definitely she can. I mean, she showed what she could do last year. The other thing is in some of these matches now, for the first half of the match, she'll be almost like she used to be. And then somehow she sort of self-destructs. So it's not as though she can't hit the ball anymore. It's just that something happens. She's, she's lost her confidence. And, uh, you know, there were shots when she lost the match. I remember two particular shots in Paris where she was a three-all in the first set, and she just dumps a forehand in the middle of the net. And you're thinking, no way she would have done that last year. And then I think she got back to Deuce in the very last game. She was down love 43 set points, saves the set points. She, so the other girl, Lenevich, is getting very nervous. And what does Bouchard do? She dumps another forehand in the net. And you just knew she would have done that last year so who can explain why these you know horrendous errors are happening at the worst times it's 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 all very interesting she plays a match tomorrow morning actually at 6 30 against a fairly decent player who a couple of years ago re-threatened serena on grass at wimbledon so i think it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be a tough match for her to win tomorrow but she's playing that tournament she's playing the week after in birmingham she's playing the week after that in eastbourne and then wimbledon so she's going full tilt boogie trying to get the game back in the next few weeks Definitely not Boom Boom Jeffrey, huh? Uh, I think it's Jaco Tremblay, isn't it? J.C. Tremblay? Yeah, I think it's J.C. <laughs> but you know that Boom Boom Jeffrey uh, actually recorded an album. I did not know that. Yes, I thought you were throwing that out there as something that you knew. <laughs> uh, Ted Harris. Ted Harris? Yeah, Terry Harper. I, I, mean, yeah. I can name drop, too. Uh, well, you got uh, a, you got a couple more. Well, Jean Guy Talbot's from Twardy Vieira. There you go. Know him, uh, yeah, Jean Guy Talbot from yeah. uh, Tom Tebbett's hometown. This and, is uh, Leon Rushford. You know anything? Wow, about him? Leon Rushford. Yes, sir. I certainly do. Defensive forward. And well, there's other things about Leon Rushford that have come out in public, which I've been very shocked by. But anyway, huh? Uh, really? Well, he had a nickname. You know what his nickname was? What was Leon Rushford's nickname? Cheval. <laughs> 
Good. Yes, and we will have more on American Pharaoh when we return. <laughs> Great talking to you, Tom. Okay, that was in the press in, the, in Quebec like a couple of years ago. That's so fine. How, how that, that possibly be there? That's, I'm not. Uh, that's great. That's I, I just didn't wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't know if he won the triple crown. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he did. Uh, this is for Bjorn Borg, wherever he is. Okay. Melnick in the afternoon. Listen live weekdays from three to seven on TSN six ninety.